Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Knowledge Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, the lead mentor here at the Knowledge Exchange, where we run online courses and online mentorship. So check us out at tkex.org. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify right now, leave us a rating and subscribe so we can continue delivering high quality content and guests such as the man of the hour I have in front of me right now, Frank Benedetto. He is a physical therapist from New York, founder of Counter-Strike, an online performing performance coaching platform and head of the Honey Badger project for healthcare professionals looking to upskill in business. He's been on my radar recently. I'm really keen to dive into some topics that will be so valuable for our audience today. So Frank, thank you so much, mate, for making the time. No, thank you for having me, man. I'm so excited. To, this is my first Australian podcast. So it's uh, break, breaking into a new part of the world, reaching out to some new clinicians, helping them out. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Amazing. And apologies in advance if you don't understand my accent, and I'll we'll <laughs> make some translations, I'm sure, along the way. So <laughs> we'll get there. Sounds good. So the, the first thing, that, and one of the things that definitely caught my eye based on our values in the knowledge exchange of kind of ethical healthcare is the idea of going with our values over purely profit-driven or purely retention-driven markets so, or business strategies, rather. So one of the, the posts and one of the, the things that you teach are going off, how can we help, how can we service our, our clients? Could you expand a little bit on that concept for, for our listeners? Absolutely. So in my opinion, there's a false dichotomy created in master clinicians where the, the, it seems like there's a choice of whether you can run a profitable business and uh, accumulate wealth and freedom or help people. And it's like this, this dichotomy and it's completely self-created is if you look around all the different marketplaces outside of healthcare, there are mission driven businesses such that, um, I forget the name of the company right now, but the eyeglass company where for every one bought two go to someone in need in a third world country, this is a business that is operating at a profit enough to be able to supply like life changing because we take it, take for granted like the glasses you're wearing, the contacts I have. In most countries, this is unbelievable to, to be able to have access to. This company is a mission-driven business. They set up their ways so that they are delivering a product in a unique way so that there is profit that can then be reinvested to help even more. And in my opinion, most master clinicians live in what I would call the martyr zone where they have impact but it's at their own expense. Like the, and the candle is going to get down to the bottom at some point. So what I try to teach is how to run a mission-driven business that provides both impact and freedom for the person running it. That's awesome. And, and shout out as well to the video content that you, you put out. It's really useful to see because we don't want people having that mission-driven mission business and then burning out in the less than a year getting into it. Absolutely. We need to take care of ourselves as well as, and have the resources that we need to provide that high value care. And one of the things as well that you, you mentioned, which I'd love to touch on is the idea of not just listing our services and looking at how we can help our, the, the clients that we serve. So could you also expand, please? Yeah. So we have a tendency to get out of school, work for a period of time, get frustrated at where we're at, and that's usually the launching pad to going into business. And two things usually happen in that circumstance. The first is we only get incrementally better 
than what we were exposed to. So here in the United States, we have rampant mills, huge companies that see four to six people an hour and launching to just be slightly better than that is not enough. Like just bragging about I'm better than the worst is not a way to win. Like you have to build something remarkable and actually like to get the consumers to be able to come on board and trust the process. You can't just say I'm better than the horrible experience over there. And there's too many people who go into business and they're just incrementally better. Why are they just incrementally better? They go into business, hang, hang a, you know, the proverbial plaque on the wall. Now it's really just more like the Instagram page or the website. And it's just their services with a price point. One hour of physical therapy, 175. Uh, virtual evaluation, 150. Uh, one hour of this, you know, and, and it, it's almost so it's like natural. I don't fault anybody for doing this. I did it in the very beginning, but it doesn't work because people don't buy just services. They buy solutions. They buy solutions to problems. They buy, they buy a path to their goals being achieved. You know, a triathlon, a triathlete is not buying a uh, cycling program. They're buying their PR. They're buying the ability to finish the race that maybe scares them to sign up for. That's what they're buying. Now your skill sets, if you're a physio or a trainer or a chiropractor who specializes in cycling, you can't speak to just, you know, I manipulate spines. I, pro I program exercises. I give massages. I, whatever you think you do, it doesn't matter to them. What you actually need to be talking about is the outcome. And when you start with the outcome in your marketing and your product, people notice that it's, that there's something different about you. That's so great. It's, it's easy for, for us to just list all our interventions because we kind of tie ourselves with them. We fuse with them. They are part of our identity. They, they are what se perhaps separate us, at least in our eyes from our competitors, as well, the more kind of tools we have in our toolbox, the, the better our service will be. So let's just list them all. And we forget that kind of human aspect. Absolutely. I think that's why I tie so connect, I'm so connected to what you represent in your clinical uh, you know, philosophy, because in my mind, the business and the clinical need to be paired up in the sense of your, your, your delivery mechanism of your interventions is your business. And there needs to be almost like a synchronicity between those two modalities, both of which are separate from your own identity, because a lot goes wrong when you get tied up in your own identity through an intervention instead of the outcome. So one of the things that we recommend, and it's a, it's a widespread exercise you see in a whole bunch of different places, is creating the I help statement. And that's where it's like, I help, and then a sub niche or a niche and then achieve X, Y, Z. You know, so in my world, it's, I help fighters, uh, create, get knockout power and championship cardio. And you could picture that. Now you don't know exactly what I do, but if those two things matter to you, you're interested. If you're a fighter and you, you are worried about your conditioning and you come across somebody's bio who says, I help fighters get five round conditioning. You're like, huh, what's this about? It creates curiosity. Whereas if I said, and I did this for a long time, I, I, uh, I'm a performance coach for fighters 
heart rate based conditioning, whoop coaching, strength and conditioning, um, rehab. You you'll get some interest, but only people really ready to buy, not the entire spectrum. That's it. We kind of uh, missed the whole point of the, all those services in the end. Yeah. And we kind of use our own jargon to make us sound, you know, superior and, and uh, above our competitors. But in Absolutely. the end, people just want the outcomes. Yes. And the only way to really reverse engineer outcomes is to have a specific niche in mind. And um, my other, you know, if I, if there's a couple of things that I want your audience to take away is that it is very difficult, especially as a young new business person. So the less adept you are at business, the easier you should try to set up your business, right? It's like you should create the, le the least complicated business process to set yourself up for success. And the way you do that is by zoning in on one niche and not even within just one niche. My recommendation is to create three sub niches. So in Counter-Strike, for example, we're combat athletes. You would think that that's tiny already, but we actually work mostly with amateur and early stage pro MMA fighters, high level competitive jujitsu athletes, and some wrestlers and kickboxing athletes. So those are our three, four sub niches with overwhelming majority of our target being the MMA community. The reason why is because my scale that I want to grow the business is huge. I want to have an international presence in the fight community, which we've already had our start of that. We have clients in South Africa, Jordan, Canada, across the United States. And, but the, the only reason why I'm even able to do that is because I pinpointed exactly who I'm serving and you could study them now. And I could study their every need. I could study their every goal, their aspirations, their internal problems, their external problems, their philosophical problems. And then when your marketing and your, and your, your product speaks to all of that, in one swoop, you're talking to their deepest, darkest internal fears all the way up to their greatest aspirations. That's where magic happens. You can't do that when you're trying to serve active people, which is the most widely used terminology in the United States anyway, where physios go into business. And I ask them, you know, what, what's your target market? Active people. It's not an identity. You're speaking to nobody. If you try to market to everyone, you actually end up speaking to no one. So if you're listening to this, what I want you to do is find your niche. How do you do that? Think about who you love to work with, even if it was a couple of interactions. When I first started working with fighters, I had five fighters. It's not like I had a presence in the fight community. I was a nobody in the fight community and I, I carved out my niche. Um, don't be limited by who you've worked with though. So if there's just a niche that you're like, man, that's my dream population with consistent effort, it is actually very easy to break into any population. You list it out, you figure out who the influencers are locally and online. If it's a cycling community, continue with that. You find your cycling clubs and you just go and start making phone calls. You call five people a day, which is something I learned from one of my mentors, John Goodman. You will be overwhelmed with the response. You won't even be able to keep up with the momentum you create. If you call five people every day of the week, Monday through Friday, 25 people a week, 100 people a month, you are going to be like swarmed with activity. So find your niche, start reaching out to people. Awesome. It's, it's such a valuable kind of gem for us to take away because I think people in the space of, you know, the social media space, we see someone with a million followers or we see someone with 100K. 
um, kind of fans that appear to have a lot of engagement, but there's no real like like specific target that they're reaching. It's just a general kind of exercise page or a general physical therapist putting putting out some decent content. So I, I wonder how much effort that would have taken, and I wonder if they had branched out into finding a, a niche for the Aussie audience or a, or a niche for the American audience here. So finding that like specific targeted um, way to to reach the people and help the people that they actually want to want to help. If if in the end, does the a million followers really matter if you've got a, a thousand or a hundred loyal fans? What, what's your take on on that? Yeah, but it's actually coincidental timing on part of the Honey Badger project, which is group coach, group business coaching for healthcare practitioners. This past week, we had our, one of our two monthly live trainings where we get on a Zoom call and we do a meeting style, which is kind of cool. So I could see everybody, everybody could participate. And the topic was the six types of social media posts you need. And as a tangent of that, I wanted to make sure they get focused on the right metrics. And likes and followers have very little correlation to impact and freedom. So everything I do is for those two things. And it's nice to have a lens because you could literally pass through those, the, that lens and say, is this matching with my values? Is this actually delivering me to my dreams? And impact and freedom. So are you actually changing people's lives? Or are you changing your own life in the process? And the number of followers is simply not correlated with income. And I've had physios come to me with 50,000, 100,000 followers who have not figured out how to monetize that. They are just a content machine, all of their energy. And I respect that because they love obviously the content and what they're serving, but they never applied a monetization strategy to it or release effectively. One of my mentors who are many, many steps above me, they, they've worked with people with half a million, almost a million followers who are struggling to find their way. And what ends up happening is you get obsessed with that game and you, like whatever we tend to spend our time focusing on, we, we typically get. So if you set a goal to just get a million followers, as crazy as it sounds, you might find yourself there wondering why you even did it and what was the impact. So what I tell everybody in, in my group is like $120,000 a year is a pretty phenomenal salary for a physio in the United States. Like that's, a uncommon salary. You know, like I actually don't know of too many salaries. That's like an, a, a profitable owner's income is around that. If you move towards a membership model, this is just one example. I don't force membership models on everybody, but just to give somebody dig into numbers wise, uh, the the number of do you know how many people you need a month at let's say two hundred fifty dollars me monthly membership to hit that number? So monthly membership of $250 to hit hundred K. I wish I had a calculator in my head right now. Yeah. And I know I've seen the video of you going through this. Yeah. So basically what I tell everybody is if you have a price point between two and 300 two and $300 a month, which is a very reasonable amount of money. If you talk about in health insurance, I'd say it's co-pays 20 to $40. If they're going multiple times a week to a traditional PT clinic, they're spending that already. If they're in a fitness facility paying for one-on-ones, they're spending well above that already. So if you have a, pro a membership product that's worth between two and $300 a month, you need between 40 and 50 people. 40 and 50 people to make over $100,000 a year. Is that crazy? I like, it's one of those numbers when I first, I was like, 
this can't be right. Let me just, I keep doing the numbers. And then before I filmed that one that you saw, I was like, this can't be right. Let me, fit, let me do the numbers. But it's unbelievable, but we rarely think of different monetization strategies because at least over on this side of the world, we're obsessed with sessions. It's just sessions, sessions, sessions. And that's perpetuated by insurance companies. And it's perpetuated by our schooling, which sometimes has a lag time to catch up with the various options that are available to us now. Or the research, for example. I, and this is a little bit of a tangent, reel me back in if I go off, but when I first graduated, I was a modality guy. So this is 11 years ago. I would do ice and stim, heat and stim, ultrasound, and some form of massage every single treatment. So all four of those modalities. And then there'd be some time left to exercise. And it was usually so low level that I, I didn't know back then, but it probably was very ineffective. Yet people got better. Then I started to dig into the research. That's why I love your group because it's so focused on you know, analyzing studies and trying to move with the data instead of hearsay and expert opinion. The, I started to be, realize like, oh, wow, man, maybe two, mode, two times of stim is a little excessive. Pulled out, people still get better. Pulled out the other stim, people still got better. Pulled out the ultrasound, people still got better. So now it's just some manual therapy exercise. Less manual therapy, more exercise. People still got better. Took out the manual therapy, just exercise and education, of course. That's, I didn't say that because that's the thread to the entire thing and the relationship and the, and, the, uh, and the impact of our words. And people still got better. And at the end of that process, I started to say, do I even need to be in person? Do I even need to physically be there? And people still got better. So again, I'm not telling you that you have to do that, but I'm telling you that it's an option that you might not have explored. And again, PTs love false dichotomies. When I say things like that, people will be like, oh, you know, this one total knee replacement, post-infection, 30 pounds overweight. Yes, they need somebody in person. That's just not going to be me. There's going to be somebody else. But you don't need to decide between the two. You could have an incredibly unique model a hybrid model where you have in-person treatment and digital treatment. You could have a membership model and a session model. You could have unlimited combinations of the way you could deliver these solutions. But my challenge to you is to take a step back and think of how you could repackage your skill set in a way that benefits the consumer is, is just evolved, not just one step incrementally better than what's being done. That's great. I love it. It's, um, that membership model is so impactful. It can create that community that people that all trust you and they all kind of work together and, and they all help each other as well. So it's, and if you target a niche as well, they're all kind of alike. They're all like-minded. They all share the same passion, whether it be a, a sport or a specific kind of demographic in a, or a specific injury. Um, it can all help you grow as well. They kind of help each other out. So it's, it's a different kind of model. It's, more of that, would you say it's a, like a, almost a gym membership model or like the, the kind of raving fan tribe, tribal way that CrossFit has grown so much significantly over the years. It's like a kind of social influence. Whereas if you just have, you know, a brick and mortar business, people come in and out and, and that's about it. They don't interact with other, your other patients, your other clients. Yeah, I think it can, but it also doesn't need to be. For example, in the very beginning of Counter-Strike, there were no, no interaction at all between the clients. 
So our first 40 clients never knew of each other other than maybe on social media, seeing each other post stuff. Only recently, actually this week, it, we're launching a private Slack community for Counter-Strike athletes where they'll be able to post questions in uh, different, if anybody doesn't know Slack, it's like a Facebook group without all of the like negatives that come along with Facebook. It's just Slack community. So it's like a channel for a specific uh, topic. So if they have a topic, a question about conditioning, now I have a team of coaches that are going to be able to answer that within 24 hours, a whole new level of service be provided. But up until then, literally now, most of the time they didn't have any interaction. So I agree though that capturing that will bolster it even more, but doesn't have to be part of that model. And having that kind of platform, that online platform, you can help people out kind of all at once. So your time is now worth a lot more. If you can service people saying a question and answer for all your clients, you, you can reach out to more people in that time versus having to book people in and then getting like selling that process every single time to have a, a question. Absolutely. So the real magic bullet here is that we need to improve and then break the time for money ratio. And this is really the key to personal freedom. And it's also the key to impact because I'm not downplaying the impact to 50 people. That is 50 human beings who your life has touched. And if that's all you do month over month, that is a tremendous service to the world. So don't take this as the other way, but my personal aspirations, when I think of what I want out of my career in my life, I want thousands. I want to influence the entire sport. I want to make a tangible difference in healthcare. It's my two parallels. What does the Honey Badger Project stand for? I want to see more master clinicians find success in business. And I want to be somebody who helps break this trend where we have to be either be martyrs or sellouts because those are the two categories everybody relates to. Anyway, I go off on tangents a lot, man. No, I love it. I love, I love the passion. It's, it's one of the things that uh, I really wanted to, one of the reasons I wanted you on here to, to just share it all. And, and one of the things that, uh, so I'm just imagining some a new grad physio uh, going through the motions of working in a, in a clinic and they're thinking of expanding out into the online world or their own business, uh, whatever that may, might be. What's kind of the, the first step for them to find out who they want to serve? Who, who's their target market? Who's their avatar? What are some of the initial steps for people to find out their niche? Well, the first step is actually, if, if in that scenario, the first step is not thinking of who they're going to serve first. Their first step is designing their life because business is a vehicle for life. Like factually, and it's okay because we're not martyrs. You need to have the life you want. Otherwise, the business and the message and everything you stand for is unsustainable. For example, if I design a business that requires me to work nights and weekends, and I have three kids, which I do, I, it doesn't match. It literally doesn't align. So if I build a business that I have to go to CrossFit gyms most days of the week and go to CrossFit competitions on, on weekends, I'm going to burn out and then I help less people. So the first step is what I call life design. And so few people actually choose what they want their life to look like. And I didn't do this in my first business that I had built and sold. And I found myself driving to all these different clinics. We had launched fast and hard and we built and sold a multi-million dollar business within five years. 
towards the end of that, right before deciding to sell, my job became two things, driving to those different clinics all around the tri-state area, having meetings with teams and like navigating health insurance issues. And I hated it. I hated my job. I owned a multi-million dollar business, hated my job. Crazy. Most people who find success in business end up hating it. So we end up going down this road where 90% of the people fail within five years. And then out of the 10% that's left, probably another 80% end up not enjoying the process. I mean, how many business owners do you know that don't complain all the time? It's like this kind of constant thing where it's like they become trapped in their own business and all they've actually done is created a, another employee system for themselves where they're the employee to their own business instead of actually owning a business. The reason why that happens is because no one takes enough time in the setting up phase. They just jump in, they hang the list of services, they get enough marketing and enough local connections that it works, but never works enough to be able to expand massively. They never come up with any ideas that breaks or improves the time for money continuum. And they never really get a team. You know, if they do, it's like a kind of a small team. But the reason why is because they've, they've failed to plan their life. With the, what's the outcome for them? You know, what do you want your life to look like is an important question. And then you reverse engineer a business model that can deliver you there while also making the impact that you want. And, um, you know, I, I had asked you if I could give something away to your audience and you had said yes. And that this is really what I want to give away is the life design worksheet. So this is for normally reserved. The only time I've ever given out for free. Most people, they either get it when they join uh, one of my small group coaching products, which I call the anti mastermind. I could tell you a little about that later. Um, and our large group, which is basically access to our courses and the live training. That's you start with the life design because I don't want anybody going through my curriculum not having the end in mind for them. So I'm going to give that to your audience. Uh, there'll be a link. You got, you could figure out how you're going to disperse it, but uh, you know, they'll get, they'll get the, the full, I think it's a six page life design worksheet and I encourage everybody to go through it. Awesome. Amazing. We'll, we'll figure out how to, how to source it out and email perhaps our, some of our listeners. That'd be amazing. And just on that. So the anti mastermind, I'll, I'll definitely get back to you on why it's called the, anti mastermind and then yeah. also the the honey badger project so so it's it's kind of like a, a uh, initially you'd get that kind of small group mentoring or, or or is the the honey badger project kind of the overarching theme so i know you've got some really big names and really respectful people on there and they have been on there before so wanted to find yeah, out now so if that's cool the the honey badger project uh the name i know it's a funny name the the name is because to survive in business you have to navigate fear constantly. I mean, constantly. And the National Geographic and some other organizations have named the honey badger as the world's most fearless animal. They're just little crazy, they're psychopaths. <laughs> like they, if there's a swarm of bees and they, they need honey or they just climb up, they're getting stung, they get the honey, they come back down. There's a porcupine, they're getting stabbed with it. it they, show, they show it just like jogging around, not caring that there's all these barbs just stabbing. And I know I'm not making it sound too uh, fun, but that's kind of like business. Business, uh, were the, rock, the Rocky movies popular? With, 
in Australia? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So being in business is like stuck in the second to last round of all the Rocky fights where he's just getting beat. Like the announcer goes, how much more can he take? And, but the round just keeps repeating (laughs) and you have to love the process. I love the process. It's just like no different than when I work with a fighter to like a real fighter in this analogy, when they get in a cage, like they love it. If you don't love it, you are failed out of it quickly. And I, it's like that dichotomy. Like you can't really like it. You can't kind of like it. You can't force yourself through it. This process of being in business is hard. And if you could work through that, the rewards are incredible. You know, I help people around the world. I never thought that I could be able to actualize my dream of that. I spend more time with my kids now than I ever thought I could. Why? Because I spend most of my life in this room, which is a soundproof office in my house. And when I'm done, I walk right upstairs and I'd be with them. Why? Because I engineered my life that way. Impact and freedom. Honey Badger, circling it back to why. I had to work through so much fear and so much uncertainty. And you have to be able to take the lumps and you have to be able to move through failure with no loss of enthusiasm because that's what it actually takes. So what I wanted to create was a community of people because it's a lot easier to go through what I just described when you can look to the right and left and see other people getting beat up too. <laughs> and if you share each other's lessons, so for example, inside the Honey Badger Project, inside the uh, Slack channel that we have for there, we're in the process of gamifying contribution. So if you review somebody else's work uh, as a community member, you get like a point. If you fail, if you share a success story, you get a point. If you share a failure though, you get double points. So I actually want to reward failure in this system because that's actually what's required. And the only way you're going through failure is if you have gotten rid of your fear, your fear of failure, fear of judgment, your fear of taking big risks. And that's really what the Honey Badger Project stands for. Um, the different products, just to make sure I'm clear on that, we have like three levels. It's one where uh, you have access to our online courses, which is the one day digital launch, the mission driven business roadmap. And then I'm basically in the process of live launching a year's worth of courses. So there's going to be a marketing course, sales course, um, and a whole bunch of other things that are going to be dropped out over the course of a year. Um, Two monthly live trainings, one usually featuring a special guest. This month we have a lawyer coming on board to answer legal questions who's uh, got international experience, which is cool. And another one with just me and co-host John Flagg, who's um, you know, somebody who I've personally coached business-wise, got a great online business, also connected to the clinical athlete universe over there. And then we have our anti-masterminds, which actually this is the first time ever publicly speaking about it. And uh, the reason why it's called the anti-mastermind is I just hate this notion of the mastermind being around the one person. And I know that I know that the actual essence of the mastermind is that when all a bunch of brains come together, there's one you know, mastermind as a result. But the reality is, is that the most masterminds right now are very self-serving and I just don't like them. I don't have a great reason for you. So when I realized that a small group, there's no one-to-one interaction with me in the Honey Badger Project live training. It is, uh, you know, the Slack community, the online courses, the the two monthly live trainings. That's a tremendous value for 150, 200 bucks that a month 
there, but you're not going to get this kind of interaction with me in there. And uh, so the, the basic need for a small group came out of that. And uh, essentially we're going to be taking 10 to 20 people. It all revolves around this process. And I think you should do this too. Uh, every 90 days, you need a strategic plan where you outline your main goals for the next 90 days. So you work in 90 day sprints and every 90 days you revisit your life plan, your life design, you revisit your business design. So you, cause you're constantly going to be evolving those. And then you, you directionally set the next 90 days in that direction. What are the three most important major tasks? What do I need to do for the next 12 weeks? And then we meet once a week as a small group uh, to review exactly where you're stuck, what you should do next, what roadblocks, and then we just keep pushing forward. Every 90 days, we completely reset that. Awesome. I was meant to ask that as a, one of the final questions to hear about more of your services, but I just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't help myself. It's, it's, a, it's been an awesome kind of just to see uh, all the content you put out on Instagram and uh, Nick Hanna as well, shouting you out, and Zach Gabor as well with, with uh, Level Up. So you've got some really big names there and it's great to see that there's now a community of people helping each other out in that space and all kind of promoting the same kind of message, ethical healthcare and, and high value care. Yeah. Yeah. My, one of my mentors told me, and this is really what switched is be the most generous person in your profession, uh, in your community. And when I thought of what that meant for me, it was helping other master clinicians find business success because I am a clinician first type person. Like if you look at my credentialing, you, and I know credentials don't mean everything, but it's a reflection of how much time I put in. Each board certification, I failed the OCS the first time. That's two years for my OCS, a third year for my SCS. The CSCS, legit credential. Um, I've put so much time into my clinical world that I am a clinician first business person. I'm not somebody who went into business just like right away. You know, I spent six, seven years honing my craft, then went into business, then found mastery in that. And I found mastery in it only because I was kind of stumbled upon scaling myself out of the first business. Within nine months, I had reduced my clinical hours and spent all of my time growing the business, learning from mentors. Um, I calculated recently, I've spent over $80,000 in the last five years alone on business education between one-on-one mentors, masterminds that I was a part of, uh, constantly. You know, so I learned from John Goodman, founder of the Online Trainer Academy, Anthony Trucks, uh, Mel Abraham. I'm a huge student of Brendan Bouchard's, who's like the most successful life coach the world has ever seen. Um, and when I thought about that journey, I was like, I need to bring this to people like Nick Hanna and Andy Chen and all these other guys that and and professionals that I know, like we just got to get bigger business models behind these names, and the impact is going to be insane. You know, if we if we look five years from now, we need to get every master clinician their own business, and we could topple the health insurance driven monsters that seem unbreakable. That's really cool. It's um, breaking the system; otherwise, the system breaks you. Absolutely. Yeah, I have an anarchist, anarchist type flair to me. There's a book called uh, Blueprint to Revolution. And I read that, I don't know how many years ago. 
that's when I started to shift my mind from just client facing to, to wanting to help lead. You know, their whole principle is nonviolent revolutions. There's no way for us to be violent in this particular uh, fight, but the, the, the outline that they share of how to create a revolution, it's literally, a, it's like a system. Like you have to organize a small group of wildly passionate people, as many leaders as possible, so you could, they create subgroups of them. And my hope is that by working like with the influencers of our community, the people that look up to them are then gonna emulate their business model. And instead of just looking up to them clinically, I need more clinicians speaking, not making it the focus, but just speaking to, I can only do this because I built my business model around it. Instead of trying to squeeze a square peg into a round hole and just trying to take the knowledge that let's say you share, and going back to work on a Monday where you have no opportunity to actually implement it. It's a, it's a very frustrating situation. Amazing. That's so cool. And it'll be really cool to see what the, the future holds for, for that group. There's, um, so what I'm taking is the first step for people is to jump on to figure out kind of what they want their life to look like in a few years time and that their business, their, their kind of um, their clinical work kind of has to reflect that. So they're not going to burn out. In, in a few years time overworking just because you know they're getting in revenue but it's not the kind of life they want to live so that's like the step number one you'd say yep absolutely so it's life design find your niche discovering the niches problems and aspirations solutions to those problems and aspirations how to package solutions to make a product applying a monetization strategy to the products you've created, marketing the products that you've created, selling the products, those are two different steps. Marketing is a message, and then you have to have a sales process. Then you have a whole slew of things that are onboarding and retention and delivery and word of mouth referrals and those. You have this whole engine. But that, that process I outlined is exactly what I teach. And it's exactly what every business goes through in every industry it is the fundamentals awesome i think you've busted a few myths there with the number one it's not just about the number of followers then it's more about the kind of what's your target market number one um so that saves us from kind of just putting out content and it's kind of ending us leaving us with nothing really and we're just um yeah we're becoming more of that martyr i, I believe if i'm using that term correctly please correct yeah. me jump in if i'm if i'm wrong there no it's 100% um, correct and then the, the second one is we kind of get stuck in, okay, how do we market this? How do we sell this? When we forget, like, who are we marketing to? What's our purpose? What's our mission? First of all, and then the kind of, it makes the marketing, the selling process so much easier, so much more comfortable for us because we believe in our service and our product. We believe that we can help these people. Absolutely. Spot on, man. Amazing. And just finally, uh, what are some of the resources you mentioned? And it's great to hear even the best coaches have coaches. What are some of the, the resources that you would recommend for, for our listeners for more information, any kind of podcasts, books? I know you've put out a few things um, and you mentioned um, Seth Godin, I believe. So who would you recommend for, for our listeners? Yeah, no, absolutely. To, to touch on the coaches having coaches, I believe I'll always have a coach. And I learned that from some of my coaches. I have a coach who's 60, approaching 60, and he has a mentor. 
you know, so like we just kind of like create these images of our mind of being like older and wiser and like you have all the answers. And it's, it's just all, the, it's not true. You, you have to find somebody that's in line with your values you know, personally, and then somebody who's in line with what you want to deliver. And there's always somebody several steps ahead that are really excited to bring you along with you, you know, and, and not too far ahead. That's actually, I've had that experience where it's like almost unrelatable. They're that far ahead. You want some people, somebody who's just like, like, just like in the distance, you could see them like, oh God, I just wish I could have that career. And that's who I personally find every step of the way. And then when it's time for that to change or evolve, I find it. Um, books, if you're brand new and thinking about starting a business, the, the book uh, Purple Cow by Seth Godin is the best because it's a short read, it's a fast read, it's only theoretical, there's no action steps but it'll reshape your frame of mind that good is no longer enough. We have a saturated marketplace, no matter where you are, and you have to build something remarkable. Building something remarkable doesn't mean you have to reinvent the wheel. It just means that it needs, there could be some subtle things like text messaging accountability, or it could, it could, there could be so many different ways to, to say that, but it'll teach you how, the frame of mind that you need to have before you even start. If you're uh, in marketing, you already have a business, you feel like you've niched down and you're, you're at the next step. The two books I recommend is This is Marketing by Seth Godin and Building a Story Brand by uh, Donald Miller. Both will completely reshape the way you market. We tend to market ourselves as the hero, like the coach as the hero, and we need the, the client to be the hero and position us as the guide. And there's so much more to that than just saying that. A lot of people I'm starting to see on websites, like you're the hero in this story and we're the guy. No, no, no. you have to make them feel that. You can't say that. Uh, leadership, anything, you know, if you have a team, you've already done all this part, you have a team underneath you. Jocko Willink's books on leadership are just absolutely out of this world. Um, yeah, so th those are the three resources I would say to start. And uh, I'm very accessible on social media if you have a specific question. I always ask people to, to have a specific question when they ask a book. And this is in general, you should never ask anybody, what book should I read? It should be, I'm thinking about starting my business. What book should I read first? Or I'm afraid to, you know, to, get, to start posting on social media because I'm like worried about getting judged. What book should I, so give some context when you ask for book recommendations, you're going to get very, very good book recommendations. Um, so if you want a book recommendation or if you want to reach out to me in any way, you absolutely can. Um, and I'll share that at the very end here, but you just know that you can reach out to me. I'm going to get back to you within 24 hours personally. Amazing. That's awesome. And a uh, quick plug to where people can, can find you as well. If they want to also find out more about the Honey Badger project. Yeah, absolutely. So best place is on Instagram. I'm just more active over there. I do usually post everything on Facebook too, uh, but Frank underscore Benedetto on Instagram and then Frank Benedetto on, uh, on Facebook, just my personal page. And uh, we are opening enrollment. So we are in a limited cohort model because I'm, I am going to cap it at some point fully. So right now we have about 70 people in our live training with our courses and uh, I'm going to open that up to another 50 people in the next few weeks. And then I'm going to close that back down, assess the community, potentially open it up one more time, then shut it down because I'm not looking for this to be in the 
you know, hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of people, at least in the short-term vision of this. I really want a smaller, tight-knit group community. So uh, follow me on those platforms. There'll be a link uh, in the description here to, or in some way via the email to get the life design. Along with that, you'll also get early access to the next enrollment for the Honey Badger Project. So if you want to be one of those next 50 people, you'll get 48 hours uh, notice ahead for being a part of Daniel's community and, and uh, just you know, really passionate about you, what you do. Um, I don't talk a lot clinically because I want to be clinically agnostic in helping people launch their businesses. However, my personal clinical values are extraordinarily in line with, with what you do. So I'm always going to be wanting to help your community out. Amazing. Your passion is contagious, Frank. It's, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's infectious. So I really appreciate your time and really looking forward to sharing the, that resource with our audience. And um, yeah, and until next time, mate, thank you so much for, for making the time. Thanks again for having me, man. Appreciate it.